This is Bart Peterson, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Greg Gilchrist, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Dan DeMarco, and you are listening to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the FCPA Compliance Report on the Compliance Podcast Network. In today's episode, I visit with Jim Murphy. Jim is the Vice President of Products at Hanzo, and we visit about a very interesting article he had earlier this summer entitled The Shark in the Way, Revealing the Lurking Danger of Slack Data. The article is really interesting and very appropriate for the compliance practitioner as it discusses the dangers in the use of the communication tool Slack from the compliance perspective, and most importantly, from the perspective if you're under investigation, uh, from either the Department of Justice or an internal investigation on how you capture and retain that information. It's a fascinating explanation of a real-world example of the ephemeral messaging now being used throughout uh, businesses across the globe and how they impact the compliance profession going forward. I know you'll find it useful. Thanks for listening. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back for another episode. And we're going to take things in a little bit different direction today because, frankly, I came across one of the more interesting articles I'd seen in the compliance space that looked at a issue that identified several problems and potential solutions for those problems. So with that enigmatic introduction, first of all, I'd like to welcome Jim Murphy. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me today. Hey, Tom, thanks for having me. Uh, It's a real pleasure to be here. So, Jim, uh, you are the um, VP of Products at Hanzo, and you wrote what I thought was an extraordinarily interesting article that was posted in Corporate Compliance Insights, which we will link to in the show notes, and it's entitled The Shark in the Wave, Revealing the Lurking Dangers of Slack Data. Um, what struck me, or I guess what initially uh, caught my eye was, this uh, is something that in the FCPA compliance world is really a very large issue. And it's around the types of communications that corporations and their employees are engaging in, how to capture it, how to um, uh, analyze it, how to um really uh, keep it in a way that if the government comes knocking, um, you can uh, present it to the government. And you really pick up on that, but take it in in a much broader way. So uh, with that, uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, the rise of Slack as a uh, data tool, and then what you see as the problems around that rise? Absolutely. So uh, it's been really interesting to see um, kind of how corporations go about conducting business. Um, here at Hanzo, we have a, a lot of opportunity to speak with our customers and, 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 um, and look at solutions for how to preserve data inside of their environments. Um, and oftentimes we'll be on kind of the front edge of, uh, of emerging uh, systems and emerging technology. And Slack is one that we've been tracking for a couple of years now. We've seen Slack explode. Uh, the, 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 the utilization of Slack inside the business environment is uh, extraordinarily pervasive. We've seen, um, and, and what we hear is, you know, Slack reports back that they have 10 million daily active users. 
that's doubled in two years. That is an extraordinarily high number of uh, folks not just uh, communicating about um, uh, inconsequential things. Those are people conducting business and utilizing a system in which they conduct business. Um, we've seen um, uh, a lot, and, and what we hear back to is um, the way that I used to do things, which was all inbox driven uh, and all of communications that ran through email, it's kind of how you did your job. A lot of that is moving to Slack. Um, I'll tell you, even at Hanzo, we are Slack users. We, and it was extraordinarily easy to introduce into our environment. And it started off just like many, uh, just like many instances, it's a free trial. I find that Slack is very easy to use. I collaborate and communicate very efficiently with my cohorts. And, uh, and all of a sudden, it is in. Um, I stop using email, and what we're seeing is our customers, instead of communicating via email, they start communicating uh, over in Slack. Jim, uh, with your professional background, you've worked in the e-discovery space for quite some time, and certainly in my professional career, email was uh, a revelation, and, and I embraced it fully uh, in the 90s and have used it since that time, and, and I found it an extraordinarily useful tool for communication and collaboration, but you really bring up the uh, uh, cutting edge, or not perhaps not even the cutting edge, but how technology has developed and advanced, and the tools that are available to us have left many of the regulatory regimes behind. Uh, so uh, with that, I was wondering, based on what you have seen and at Hanzo and your work with clients and customers, what do you see are some of the dangers of Slack data? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we've heard uh, oftentimes that uh, Slack is kind of uh, treated inside of those um, corporations as, kind of, you know, not, not a primary data source, right? I mean, we're all very comfortable with email. We were uncomfortable with it uh, a couple of decades ago. And, and now we kind of think of email, uh, you know, everybody knows what metadata to expect. We understand what threading is. Um, it, it's become the norm. Um, because the same things that would have happened in email are now happening in Slack, it is still just as important to uh, an internal investigation, to a litigation. Uh, and just a couple of kind of things to think about, um, you know, HR uh, may be utilizing Slack to send out announcements to its employees. Um, employee reviews could be happening inside of Slack, right? There's a lot of back and forth um, as maybe an employee review is being conducted. There could be dis disciplinary actions um, which are conveyed or discussed inside of Slack. Um, policy is happening inside of Slack. These discussions happen in Slack no, you know, as opposed to what happened in email. Um, even at a management level, right? Emails that could have been between the CEO and the CFO, those are no longer in, you know, may, of course they're still in email, but that's happening inside of Slack as well. Um, so the importance of uh, trying to uh, establish uh, what happened in a, in a particular um, situation, utilizing the facts that we pull out of these business systems, it exists in Slack. Jim, uh, one of the things that struck me um, from both your article and your remarks were the ease of which an employee can uh, at least uh, try Slack out, test it, 
uh, see if it's something they want to utilize, and then perhaps even with subgroups of employees within an organization, put together a Slack group where they can communicate each other. You spoke about uh, HR and an HR team using Slack, but it seems to me that it could be equally easily utilized by a business team or uh, any other subgroup within an organization without the company even knowing about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is, um, it, it, it is, a, it is an output of collaboration, right? Um, people are trying to do their job and their job often requires collaborating with their, uh, with their cohorts. Um, Slack is an extremely useful tool um, and a, an extremely efficient tool at, at supporting that collaboration. It is, um, it is a very natural thing for us to always seek out the best solution to do our jobs, um, and it's very easy to start up <laughs> and start communicating uh, in a platform like this. Um, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, subgroups or, you know, uh, maybe somebody heard about Slack or heard about it from a friend or, um, or from, a, from a colleague. The next thing you know, it's, it's on. It's, there, there's a very low barrier to entry uh, to start these communications. And, and as, at least what I've seen is it is a very sticky solution in the fact that once people start using it, they are extraordinarily resistant uh, to moving to other platforms. Jim, you said something uh, there that I want to uh, just expand upon, and that's the word sticky. I think within uh, the marketing world and uh, the e-discovery world and other worlds, that term is relatively well-known, but I'm not quite sure in the compliance world it is equally as well-known. Could you explain what you mean by that? Oh, fair, fair enough. Um, when I think of something sticky, uh, I'm thinking of uh, maybe a process, a policy, or a tool that uh, it, it, folks are resistant to change from, right? And so if I have something that is, uh, makes me better at my job, um, I'm probably going to fight <laughs> against moving to something that makes me less effective at my job. Um, that's kind of what I think of when I think of sticky. So one of the things that uh, struck me, Jim, was certainly early on in the email days, I, would, uh, I was a trial lawyer then, and, and in email searches, I would come across uh, emails that were, um, if I could delicately put it this way, perhaps less than professional, and that comments, uh, jokes, and other uh, remarks were made that, uh, if not illegal, were certainly in bad taste. Uh, is the type of platform that, not that Slack is a type of platform that lends itself to that, but because people tend to be more informal in a platform like Slack? Uh, do they some usually or, or, or will occasionally drop their guard or, or move to a more informal type of communication that might in, in, uh, include things like that? Uh, you, you're 100% right. I think that the nature of Slack uh, yields itself to more of a conversation. Uh, email, I think of as more of, uh, I'm making a statement or declaration, right? And, and, and I find that with myself today. If I am writing an email, it is, I, I need this, uh, I'm making a statement or I'm sharing an opinion. Um, when I'm communicating in Slack, oftentimes uh, it, it's, it's, you know, sitting next to somebody and chatting with them and, you know, with remote teams and the, um, um, you know, how often we have folks working in a remote workforce it supplements the water cooler, right? Slack is the place where you can chat with uh, with your with your coworkers. Um, 
that oftentimes does yield itself to a conversation that you, you if, if you looked at writing an email and putting that in email, you go, that doesn't make any sense. I would never write that here. Um, so it does definitely, I think, break down barriers uh, to formality and, and yields itself to a much more casual, informal conversation. So, Jim, there's a couple of other points that you raised in the article that, frankly, I had not considered, but I see lots of implications, certainly for the compliance practitioner and internal investigations, but also, obviously, in the in the broader e-discovery world. Uh, the first one was that Slack messages, um, really because of this informality, may not contain complete thoughts, and that, uh, from my experience, if you sort of pull one email or one communication out, that doesn't express a complete thought, it can be interpreted in a wide variety of ways that can lead to, to you down some uh, perhaps dangerous or, or uh, difficult paths to explain later. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, with emails and, and with, any, with any type of communication, uh, context is critical to understanding that communication. Um, and we're comfortable with emails because we think, oh, well, you know, with this email, I can see the thread of conversation that led up to this statement. Um, and, and we take the approach of, uh, of addressing Slack data in the same way. Um, so w- our recommendation on the preservation and review of Slack data is to look at that in context. The context within Slack, while similar to email, um, it's really at a channel level. Um, and so for anyone not familiar with Slack, um, kind of the overall format is uh, a series of, of, of message channels. Um, and just for uh, a quick example, I might have uh, a marketing channel where a number of people are in there communicating about marketing activities. I might have uh, a software development channel where uh, the engineers are talking about specification or you know, what it is that they're building. Um, and within each of these channels, it's message after message. And um, think of them as very short messages, like having a conversation back and forth um, and keeping those messages in context. Uh, it really is critical to understand what somebody was actually trying to convey uh, when they were writing. And then a the third point you raised, Jim, was one I was not familiar with, but I see lots of implications uh, for internal investigations, um, in a wide variety of areas, civil and criminal uh, areas, uh, and that is that Slack data is unstructured and unfamiliar. And one of the things I enjoy about visiting with guys like you is geeking out. So I was wondering how, if you could explain uh, what you meant by that and, and perhaps go into a little bit of the weeds of how that makes uh, capturing this data such a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, structured versus unstructured data um, the uh, think of kind of like a, a Word document of, you know, I can kind of create anything that I want inside of a Word document, um, relatively unstructured in nature, right? Um, if I have a database uh, and that database is, I can, you know, I can input data into the database and it requires that I put in my name and it requires I put in my phone number, very structured in nature, right? There is a, a kind of a, a pair of data, uh, name, Jim Murphy, uh, phone number, whatever my phone number is, um, highly structured in nature. Uh, when we think about Slack data, yeah, there, there is some logical structure to it, like I was talking about with a marketing channel. 
Um, but that does not require that anybody talking or typing into that channel talk about marketing data, right? And so what that, you know, kind of when I see these conversations happening, uh, yes, that might be in the marketing channel, uh, but maybe I'm talking about uh, a trip that I'm going to take next week and therefore I can't, uh, you know, make it to the event um, and all of a sudden I'm talking about my vacation that I'm taking. You know, it, it, it kind of, can, it, it allows folks to talk about whatever it is that they want. Um, and what that really means is, if I were to look at Slack data, I can't really say that uh, any one conversation should be in a specific place. Um, and I really, if I'm, if I'm interested from an internal investigations perspective, if I'm interested in evaluating what a particular employee or contractor has been communicating, I do need to look at their data in whole. Um, and that's where kind of the challenge of preservation um, and evaluation of the data comes in. And kind of from a solutions perspective, we've also uh, been very cognizant of that, of that situation. Um, and that's exactly why we preserve and, and, and um, allow for searches in the way that we do. It's structured based on the person um, is kind of the, the structure that we can put around it for an unstructured data set. Jim, I've, I've interviewed numerous uh, lawyers who do internal investigations in the FCPA compliance space, and literally everyone says the first question you get from the government is, is your data secure? Is your data tied down? Do you have access to it? And it strikes me that uh, unless you have uh, a solution similar to what you've just described, uh, that lawyer may not be able to answer that question affirmatively. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's about accessibility and availability, right? And so um, it may be available, um, but you don't have a good way to access the data, right? Um, so even, like there are mechanisms within Slack uh, to be able to, um, to pull some data down. Um, but without kind of putting a third party around that, the, um, the accessibility of it is, is really challenged. So that's why you know, we've entered into this to not only make uh, data um, available, um, but to also present it in an accessible format, something that makes sense and something that looks like it does in its ordinary course of business um, and something that makes it uh, easy for lawyers um, or investigators to uh, to uh, to look at the facts. Jim, uh, you also give some best practices for managing Slack data, and so I was wondering if you might be able to conclude with a few thoughts about what can a can a company do. Uh, uh, I guess perhaps start with figure out if they're any of their employees are using Slack, but how would they think through managing this risk? Certainly. So um, I'll, I'll say uh, at least three things, although there's multiple things to be said. <laughs> Uh, from number one is, you know, is Slack a part of your corporate environment? Um, and there are things you can do. Uh, you can actually uh, reach out to Slack um, or, um, you know, someone in IT or someone in the legal department. Uh, they may want to go and try and create a Slack instance using their domain. Uh, and you will see it might tell you, hey, this has already been registered. Um, and that's your first piece of information to know whether someone out there has created a Slack instance under your domain. Two, um, playbook uh, for me is always the critical thing. Think about ahead of time what is going to happen and how do you need to uh, address this data 
put it in your, your playbook or your runbook or whatever you may call it. That might mean uh, adding it to questionnaires, um, ensuring that you're asking about other data types than email, um, including Slack when you're conducting interviews, um, and also think about that as you're doing your data assessments. Um, and then certainly the most important, um, along with that playbook runbook, what is your tool that you'll be using? Um, and there's some thought that needs to go into that. There's some preparation that needs to go into that. Don't be in a situation where you're reacting. Be in a situation where you're executing. Um, and so that's where you know we certainly strongly recommend um, getting to the level of Slack utilization um, that gives you the most options for uh, securing your data uh, and making it accessible when it, when it needs to happen. And that means getting up to uh, an enterprise level of Slack um, and bringing on um, uh, certainly a tool like Hanzo um, that's able to, to work with that data. Well, Jim, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if any listeners wanted to follow up, uh, find out any more information about uh, Hanzo and their uh, solution around Slack and how to manage this risk, uh, how could they do so? Thanks, Tom. And certainly reach out uh, out to uh, Hanzo.co. Um, on that site, you can uh, we have a, a lot of our um, informational content. Uh, you can also see us in action. And, uh, and if you book time, uh, you certainly might end up speaking with me. Well, Jim, this has been a, a, just a fascinating exploration of something that I don't want to say is so simple, but uh, I, perhaps ubiquitous is the better word. And the, the difficulties uh, of managing this and the potential risks. So I really want to thank you for uh, writing the article and taking the time to visit with me about this today. Yes, that, thanks so much, Tom. I, I really appreciate it. And thanks for helping us uh, get the word out. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. We will link to Jim Murphy's article on the dangers and difficulties of working with Slack in our show notes. So I hope you will check out the article which appeared on Corporate Compliance Insights. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Thanks again for listening. I hope you'll join me again next week for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.